Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege every Wednesday to come to you with the Speaking for Him podcast. The goal of this podcast is to give you encouragement on this journey that we call the Christian life, because we know that it is a marathon, not a sprint, and we need each other. With that being said, I have two requests of you. If you like what you hear on this episode, please share it with your family and friends so that more people can hear what we are about here on Speaking for Him. The second thing I would say is please reach out to me and let me know what you liked about this episode, maybe what you didn't like. Constructive criticism is always welcome. I want to make this podcast one that glorifies God and edifies my audience. So please be sure to reach out with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. You may wonder why I say we. And it is because I am so thankful for the many people who have supported and prayed for me over the years as this podcast has taken shape. God has certainly been good. I hope that you are finding him to be good and faithful in your life as well. And that if you are discouraged, you will come away from our time together encouraged that God is, was, and always will be in control of this world And more importantly, loves you enough to die for you and rise again on the third day. With all that being said, I'm excited to let you know that today's episode is a review of The Chosen Season 3, Episode 6. The title of this episode is Intensity in the Tent City. And it's chock full of very powerful scenes And a lot of big conversations take place in this episode, and so I'm really excited to dig into it with you. But let's start out with our quote of the day. This quote of the day comes from Luke 7.22. In this passage, it says, Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And so here, Jesus is sending encouragement to John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus, who came before Jesus to prepare the way. You'll remember, if you know the Bible, that Elizabeth and Zechariah heard that they would be giving birth to a baby from their own loins through the miraculous work of God, even though Elizabeth was past childbearing. And it was impossible, but it happened. And then they were able to encourage Mary when her own impossible news came that she would be carrying the Messiah. So John was the forerunner of Jesus And he was commanding everyone to repent and prepare the way for the Lord. And he even baptized Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. So he has gone all in for Jesus. He believes that Jesus is the Messiah. But now he's in prison for rightfully calling out Herod for stealing his brother's wife. And he's very discouraged. So he goes to Jesus through his disciples and says, are you the one we are looking for or is there someone else? 
And I think all of us can relate to being discouraged. And I love the way that this passage unfolds. Jesus is essentially saying here that the things that he has done testify that he is who he said he is. Jesus, I believe, genuinely enjoyed healing people and bringing the joy of physical healing to them. But I think we should not miss the fact that the main reason that Jesus healed was to convey a spiritual lesson. And the biggest spiritual lesson he was trying to convey is that he was God in the flesh and that he was more than equipped to fulfill his destiny of dying on the cross for our sins, being buried in a tomb, and rising again the third day. And that is the foundation of our faith. And so Jesus is saying, Yes, John, I am who I said I was. I am faithful, and I will continue to be faithful. And of course, we know that the end of John's earthly journey was being beheaded. So that's a good lesson for us, too, that even when things don't go the way that we hope, he is still faithful. Before we dig into the review, I wanted to share with you a personal story. When I was a young boy, there was a song on the radio called Go Tell John. And when my brother John Michael was born, it kind of became his theme song. And we listened to it a lot, and it was very special to us. And when my brother died, I actually requested it several times in his memory during Listener's Choice from our local radio station, WCSG. And so I want to take the time right now to share with you the first verse of this powerful song, Go Tell John. Blessed is the man who doesn't fall away because of me. As he sat there in that prison cell, he knew just how it came about. And he knew his life was over and he was never coming out. But there was just one thing he had to know. He had to make a final plea. So he sent his friends to ask the Lord if he was who he claimed to be. Go tell John that the lame have learned to walk. That the poor can hear the word of God and the deaf can hear me talk. The blind can finally see Oh, and blessed is the man who doesn't fall away Because of me So that was Go Tell John by Keith Lancaster And that is featured on the album Primetime Which I believe came out in 1991 You can listen to that album on Apple Music or you can find it on YouTube. I will include the link on my blog for the entire album. And really, I listened to it a while back and top to bottom, it is a great album and it really brought back a lot of memories from my younger years. They just don't make music like that anymore. So I just wanted to share that with you as we embark on this exciting episode. 
I wanted to make a very brief statement about some comments that Vadi Bakum made regarding The Chosen. First of all, I need you to understand that I greatly respect Vadi. He's actually one of my favorite preachers. So I have nothing but high regard for him as a man of God. But he said that he didn't think it was a good idea for Jesus to be portrayed on television or in media. And he went on further to talk about some of the concerns that he had about The Chosen related to people being fans of the show and elevating Jonathan Rumi to Jesus-like status. Let me be very clear. There is only one Jesus, and he died, was buried, and rose again, and ascended to heaven. Jonathan is a human being playing Jesus. And I am pretty sure that if you were to sit down today and talk to Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen, and Jonathan Rumi, they would both say they are flawed human beings who are trying to tell the story of Jesus and give people hope. That's the first thing I will say. I don't think that you can hold the creators of a television show responsible for the fanatical way some people receive it. The second thing that I would say is that I think that making media that represents Jesus, while it can be problematic because it's important to stay true to the word of God, I think it's important because it is a way of meeting people where they are. As you know, over the years of my podcast, I have made different dramatic attempts to tell the story of Jesus, especially for my Good Friday episodes. I do this because I find drama compelling, and the stories of Jesus are some of the most exciting stories you will ever read or hear. Plus, they're true, so that makes them absolutely amazing. So, I would say that telling stories about Jesus is an important way that we can pass along the Word of God and foster excitement for it. As a matter of fact, Dallas Jenkins has gone on record as saying that nothing makes him more excited than realizing that the Chosen has caused people to turn to the Lord Jesus or to enhance their Bible study. So I think we need to be fair in that assessment. I understand that there are concerns, and we should take those under advisement. Throughout my reviews of this powerful series, I have been very honest with you about the things for which I agreed with Dallas and the things for which I don't. I have been very forthright with you that when a show is very light on the Bible content, it is harder to get behind. So I don't think I have to remind you, but I will anyway, that I believe the Bible is the inspired inherent word of God and no TV show or depiction of Jesus can or should be a replacement for that. But I do believe that it is being used to honor the Lord, and to bring people to himself. And I'm excited about The Chosen's dedication to the truth. Now, if the people on the show ever got to the place 
where they seemed to be elevating themselves over the scripture, I would be out because the scripture is of paramount importance. But I just wanted to make it very clear that I believe that if God is honored, drama can be a very effective way to share his word with others. With that being said, I will now dig into my review of this episode. This episode has kind of an interesting beginning, and although I often talk about weaknesses later in the show, I'm going to start out by saying that I think one of the most glaring weaknesses of this episode is that we get probably about a half an hour in before we deal with the main Bible stories covered in this episode. So we're, we're building background, we're telling a story, and we're leading up to the events that are mentioned in the Bible. And I will explain to you a little bit about how I do that on my show, and I think that there's a lot of that that goes on with The Chosen. To use an example from my podcast, I will just tell you about my audio drama featuring Simon of Cyrene. When I was researching Simon of Cyrene, I realized some things. First of all, I realized uh, that Simon was from Cyrene, which was several miles away from Jerusalem. I learned from my research that it would take about three months to get there by the methods of the day, transportation-wise. So that led me to believe that Simon would have had to prepare for a long time to go on this journey, and it had the potential to be arduous and hard, but it would be worth it because Simon would be able to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem for the first time. And so I built a story with that knowledge and talked about the journey And I also explained why his wife wasn't there by having her be ill in the story. And the reason that this is so important is because Paul mentions Alexander and Rufus, the sons of Simon of Cyrene in Romans, and he mentions their mother as a faithful believer in Jesus. And he also counts her as a mother to him. So we know that she was a godly woman as well. So to me, the only explanation for her not being with Simon at this crucial event in time is if some illness prevented her. So I'm just explaining to you how I crafted this narrative of Simon of Cyrene to be faithful to the word of God, but also to explain the reason why some of those things occurred in the scriptures and someone as faithful as Simon's wife would be absent. I believe that a lot of what I have just described to you from this narrative is the thinking that goes into the chosen. And I really like the way they weave a narrative around the familiar stories that we know from scripture. So I just wanted to explain to you some of the things that stuck out to me in this episode. First of all, we see fallout from the two by two ministry 
that the disciples had done. Jesus sends them out two by two to go healing and preaching in the nearby towns and villages. And there is a messenger that comes from the Decapolis, which is one of the areas they went to, and says, you've stirred up a hornet's nest. People are really upset, and other people are intrigued. Come and share more with us. I really think of that scripture where it says, I've come not to bring peace but a sword. Now, ultimately, Jesus did come to bring peace, but a sword is one of the results. When people commit to Jesus, the people around them who don't understand Jesus will often separate from them, and they will not have the same relationship they had before. Commitment to Jesus separates people. And the Bible talks about separating the wheat from the chaff. And ultimately, if we are going to serve and honor the Lord, we must often separate from people we love. And so I think this is a lot of what uh, you are seeing in this in this first part where this messenger comes. He says, these people are divided. There's a lot of people compressed into this one area, and they are confused and angry about what you shared. So please come share some more and try to clarify your position. So that is something that comes out in the beginning of this episode. Another thing that comes out is a great uh, conversation between Mary Magdalene and one of the other women who are working together on this olive grove and trying to get olive oil made so that they can assist Jesus financially in their ministry. And I kind of like the way they're weaving this narrative because Joanna is listed as one of the women that followed Jesus and supported his ministry. And so they mentioned Joanna in uh, this episode and Mary Magdalene and this other character uh, who is from another country and not a Jew um, are having this conversation. And I wish that I had written down her name. Mary and this other girl have a disagreement because Mary's impression of her is that she had no difficulty accepting Christ, that everything is just excitement and there's such a, a, a greatness and a joy in her life, whereas Mary is still struggling, even though Jesus has forgiven her, with accepting that her past is the past. And I like the give and take in this scene because you see them both sharing their struggle with one another and it really is a fight, but at the end of the scene, you see them stronger as friends because they have come to understand each other in a new way. Because Mary understands that this other dear young lady has gone through a war-torn country and fought to survive, and then God brought her to following Jesus and realizing that he had the real hope. And this other lady shows Mary that Jesus has forgiven her and she needs to be willing to fully embrace that forgiveness. 
how often do you and I struggle with things in our past and don't really realize that Jesus has the power to forgive? We need to do this on two levels. We need to realize fully that Jesus has the power to forgive us, and then we need to realize fully that through God, we have the power to forgive others. These are both very important things to know. So then we also have a conversation with the disciples, which actually precedes this one with Mary, where the disciples are debating whether or not they should have allowed a woman close enough to touch Jesus and take power out of him because they realized that it seemed to affect Jesus greatly. Um, and so they thought maybe they should have stopped her. But then they realized that Jesus was glad to have healed her and called her daughter. So I like the way the disciples are grappling with the things that Jesus does and the things that are going on around them. And I know that's one thing that Dallas said a while back is that he wanted to do a show which was the things that happened to Jesus and the things that Jesus did through the eyes of those that he has chosen. And that is why it is called The Chosen. So I think that is an interesting thing to remember that we all have finite understanding of what's going on around us. We like to think that the disciples were just ignorant because they chose to ignore the signs. But how often do we ignore the things that God tries to tell us? And then we have a conversation between Pontius Pilate and a gentleman that has been investigating Jesus and the disciples. And so it's our first introduction to Pontius Pilate. So that is pretty significant. Then we finally have the big conversation we've been waiting for between Peter and Eden, where Eden reveals that she not only was pregnant without Peter's knowledge, because she never told him, but she also miscarried their child without his knowledge. So this all happened while Peter was on his mission trip. And then you see them grappling as a couple with how to respond to it. He gets upset that she didn't tell him. He gets upset with himself for going on a mission with Jesus. She gets upset with him because she knew that he would be upset about his mission with Jesus if she was honest with him. She tells him that the biggest thing that frustrated her was that he didn't ask her anything about how things were going. He just went about his business and didn't really care about her. But this conversation really underscores the need for communication. And then we see the confrontation that Jesus has uh, with the religious leaders as he is talking about uh, John the Baptist. They are waiting for him to trip up. Uh, again, this is not a direct confrontation, but you can just see the wheels turning in the religious leaders' heads about how is he going to answer this question? What are we going to do about this preacher that is stealing our fame? Because that is essentially, if you read the scriptures, that is essentially what the religious leaders were most concerned about was that Jesus was stealing their thunder and 
taking away their authority because he spoke as one that had authority, not like them. And so you see these disciples of John come to Jesus with the earnest question, are you really the Messiah or do we seek someone else? And this in part is how Jesus answered. Go, relate to my cousin what you have seen and heard here today. And add to that the dead are raised as well. And tell John I love him. So you hear in this clip that Jesus says, go tell John what you have seen and heard and then tell him that I love him. And I love the simplicity of this, and yet the truth of it gets under the skin of those religious leaders who are gathered. They can't stand the confidence and authority with which Jesus speaks. And so I just think there's a lot in this episode that makes me happy and makes this episode worth watching. Uh, the scriptural references that are acted out and come to bear in this episode come from Luke seven eighteen to 35 and Matthew 11. So if you want to do some biblical research on this episode, that's where you find those stories. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I have mixed feelings about the way uh, this episode starts. But I think, as I said earlier, they are building a narrative. And I like the way that it came to a pretty amazing conclusion. And so I think there's a lot to like about this episode. So as this review is drawing to a close. The question must be asked, what is the biggest lesson from this episode of The Chosen? And I think it's this. We've definitely talked about this concept on the podcast before. I think the biggest lesson here is no matter who you are, if you encounter Jesus, it will change your life for good. And you will either turn toward Christ or further away from Christ. Those are really the only two things that can happen. There is no fence in the kingdom of heaven. So you have to make a choice about what you will do with Christ. For the religious leaders, their response was to get upset at Jesus because he was constantly challenging their authority and challenging their worldview. For so many people that came to be healed by Jesus, they believed on him immediately and it changed their life for good. I'm reminded of blind Bartimaeus. I'm not sure if we will get to that story in this chosen series or not, but I love the simplicity of it. He is blind. He wants to see. So he calls out for mercy from Jesus and Jesus hears him call and calls Bartimaeus to him. Bartimaeus throws off his cloak, comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what can I do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus 
commends him for his faith and heals him, and he follows Jesus in the way. His decision to follow Jesus is immediate and total. And that is something that is very amazing to me. And I really feel like that should typify us as believers. Because of the change that Jesus has made in our life, we should follow him totally and completely. And so my question to you would be, which side are you on? Have you encountered Christ in a real way? And have you decided to follow him? Or are you turning away from him? Now is the time to choose Christ. And to not choose Christ is to choose an eternity in hell. That's a reality, and I don't want any of you to experience it. Because Jesus has some awesome things planned for us in heaven. The Bible says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has promised to them that love him. That's pretty surreal because the Bible does say some things about heaven. But basically, if we were to do a podcast series about heaven, we would not even scratch the surface of what Jesus has for us when we get there. So it's important for us to realize this as we go forth. Before I conclude, I I want to just include an observation about Simon the Zealot. He realizes that he has been found by his former cohort of zealots, and they track him down and they talk to him, and they ask him about Jesus. They, of course, want him to overthrow Rome in the physical sense, and Simon says, well, he's got something else in mind and he doesn't need your daggers. So he's basically telling them that he has surrendered to Christ and he's changed. And there's a really interesting key line in this exchange between the zealots and Simon where the guy that's kind of leading the pack, he says, I will go back to them and tell them the truth, that Simon the zealot is dead. And that's extremely moving because as Paul says in Romans, your old man must be crucified and you must arise in newness of life. He says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so this line about Simon the Zealot being dead is true. And it's a foreshadowing. Simon the Zealot is dead, so Simon the Disciple can live. And I just thought that was a really neat thing that I probably missed the first three times I watched the episode, but this fourth time as I was reviewing, it stuck out to me. So as I said, a lot going on in this episode, a lot to be happy about, and a lot about uh, relationships as well and the importance of good communication. Because you had the communication between 
Peter and Eden. You had the communication between the disciples, which was getting strained, but they came to at least an agreement, if not an understanding. And you had the communication between Mary uh, and this other lady who had been working behind the scenes in the ministry of Jesus. And they had driven a wedge between them, and they decided to sit and hash it out. And as they did, they understood one another better. And I think that is so important. You know, we have more ways to communicate than ever before in our culture, and yet it seems we do less communicating, really communicating, than ever before. It's kind of an interesting thought, but I remember back in the early days of Facebook, one of my fears about Facebook was that I would get on Facebook and I'd be able to see everything happening in my friend's life because they posted it there and I would no longer need to do the personal back and forth email correspondence that I was doing, which was much more intentional and often multiple times a day just to make sure that I was communicating with them. And there is some truth to that. We still have to be intentional about our relationships if we want them to be close. And it's important for us to do that. But it can be very easy to think that we know someone because we saw what their activities of the day were that day and we know everything going on in their lives. There's not very much mystery anymore because we share it all on social media. So kind of, in a sense, those fears came true and I've had to fight to continue personal relationships at a high level. One of the things that I'm pretty committed to doing is using Facebook not as a substitute for personal time spent with friends and family, but as a way to set up those personal times. And so I definitely appreciate Facebook because it allows me to keep in touch with many people at once, but I still crave the personal connection that only one-on-one or one-on-a-few visits will do. So I think it's important for us to realize the importance of close fellowship and that there will be struggles, there will be disagreements, but we need each other and so we need to make sure that we discuss our differences and put them aside where possible for the betterment of those around us. We're living in a culture that says, look out for number one, look out for yourself. But Jesus being countercultural tells us to esteem others better than ourselves. And so I think that's an important thing to remember. So the final thing that I want to talk about regarding this episode is how do I rank it? I'm going to give it four out of five for some of the reasons that I talked to you about already. This is a really long episode. I think it's an hour and 11 minutes. And I know that fans of The Chosen, like any other streaming service, they don't want the episodes to end. They want to be able to stay in the universe of the show. And so they clamor for longer episodes. 
And I understand that as a TV watcher. But that also means they have to come up with story to cover that amount of time. And like I said, it's a little bit difficult to watch an episode where it takes a half an hour to get to the Bible story basis of the show. Now, I know that they try to bring in cultural realities of the day, and that is intriguing and interesting. And it's kind of like I was talking about earlier with Simon of Cyrene, just thinking about how long of a trip it would be and how difficult of a trip it would be between Cyrene and Jerusalem and thinking about Simon traveling with his sons and thinking about what his wife might have gone through during that once-in-a-lifetime journey. All those things factored into my narrative, and I'm sure that is sort of what Dallas and the other writers do when they put together a Chosen episode. They try to say, well, these are the characters that we're focusing on. What brings them to the point that we see them in the scriptural narrative? So my hope is that this episode encourages you to check out The Chosen if you haven't already, and to more specifically check out The Chosen episode 6 of season 3, Intensity in the Tent City. And I really like reviewing these episodes because I can tell you to go to thechosen.tv and watch this episode and all the episodes free. Or go to the app store of your choice and download The Chosen app, which will also allow you to watch these episodes free. I'm excited to share with you the next episode when the time comes, and I hope that you've been blessed by this episode of the podcast. That's about all I have time for today. I just want to encourage you to lean heavily on Jesus Christ, to trust him with your life, and to make the decision to follow him today. You won't regret it. He is a faithful and true Savior and friend, and it's a blessing to be called the friend of God. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 